So I want to dive into the Bible with you this morning and we're going to go to the book of Colossians. Now if you've got a a Bible nearby or you're on a device you perhaps can look up the book of Colossians in the New uh, Testament. It's a short book, it's only got four chapters in our New Testament. It's a great book and I would encourage you even to sit down and read it sometime. It's not a long read but you will find so much in there that is helpful for you and so much teaching that's so relevant for us even where we all are today in the 21st century and so there's so much we could talk about the book of Colossians but it is very focused on the person of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he came to do and so much there about the gospel the good news of Jesus and the gospel is good news you know it's good news for your community it's good news for my community and as the people who believe the gospel and live by the gospel we could be called good news people and so I don't know whether my graphic conveys that to you or not whether they look like good news uh, people but that is what we are and I want you to get a hold of that this morning that you if you're a follower of Jesus are someone who brings good news good news into a bad news world And so I want to just think about what it is, therefore, to be a a person of good news or to be good news people and to serve the Lord in our ministry of reaching out with this good news. And that's what Paul's really focused on in chapter 4, verses 2 to 18. So if you can find chapter 4, I just want to read these verses because I think it's really important that we read them uh, together. So you can follow along with me in your Bible on your device or on the screen in front of you. Paul says this to these followers of Jesus in the in the place called Colossae, the area there that he's writing to. And Paul writes this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He goes on in verse 7. Tichikos will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. And then Paul goes on in verse 10. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always resting in prayer for you, 
that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Then he goes on in verse 13, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And then we finish this little section like this. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Just a short prayer and then we'll dive into that short passage and see a couple of lessons for us today. Father, thank you for your inspired word. And thank you, Lord, as we gather here today in Douglas and in Passage West to listen to your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is powerful. It is eternal. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's got so much to teach us. So, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds. Teach us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to leave you just a couple of simple little thoughts that you can take with you into your week ahead. The first thing is to notice, and just follow the passage with me, that in verses 2 to 4, Paul is talking about prayer. Prayer. He's encouraging them to pray. In fact, he says, devote yourselves to pray. Praying Christians can have an extraordinary impact. That's the first thought. Just write it down or log it in your mind or underline it or highlight it or something. Maybe you don't highlight it on your screen with your highlighter. That's not a good idea. But at least highlight it in your mind to try to remember it. Praying Christians can have an extraordinary impact. You'll see here how Paul encourages them to pray, not only devoting themselves to prayer, but to pray for him, a lot of his emphasis on in this book of Colossians, as he's writ, writing to this church, is about the union that we have with Jesus Christ, and he wants them to pray because prayer is the expression of our dependence upon Christ. In fact, not to pray is extremely arrogant. It suggests that we can get through life on our own. We don't need any help. We're just able to cope with everything, so we don't need God. So. We don't pray. No, no. The true Christian prays. And when you pray, you can have an extraordinary impact. You'll see here how Paul is asking them to pray for open doors. That a door might be open for our message. He wants these Christians in Colossae to pray that God will literally open doors into people's lives. Maybe there are people and you've tried to talk to them about your faith and it does feel doesn't it like you're just battering against a closed door they don't get it they don't understand it they don't comprehend it they don't want to know about it and it feels like you're just banging 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 on a on a closed door and paul says i want you to pray that the doors will open when you're outside a door hammering and knocking you you can't get in without breaking the door down. 
What you really hope for is someone on the inside to open the door and allow you in. Paul's saying, I want you to pray that, that God will do that with the people in your life. That doors will open for this message. You see, interestingly, that Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. He is literally in a closed place. But he wants them to pray, not that his prison doors will open, but that doors will open for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice he also encourages them to to pray for a, a clear message. He describes it as the mystery of Christ. That's the message about Christ, which is a mystery to many people. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. I want to encourage you to pray for pastors and those who have the responsibility week by week of opening up the Bible and teaching it, that they will be able to teach that clearly to you. Praying Christians can have an extraordinary impact. I wonder, do you pray? I wonder, do you pray specifically and purposefully? Because that's how you make the most impact through your prayers. Maybe there's a loved one, a friend, a colleague. I want to pray today that God may open doors into their lives. So that you may just be having a a coffee with them or having a, a conversation with them about all sorts of things. And then all of a sudden they just ask you a question. And the doors open. You have an opportunity to share something of your faith in Christ. Paul talks about prayer in verses 2 to 4. And then you'll see that in verses 5 to 6, he really talks about the potential. And here's the thought that intentional Christians can have an extraordinary impact. You see how he says, make the most of every opportunity. That word opportunity there is a Greek word. It means kairos. It's like a strategic moment. And he says, you uh, look for those moments in your life when the door is just opened a little bit. It's a kairos moment. It's a strategic moment. It's a moment when God's Holy Spirit wants to move in. We had a a situation here in Newton Breda where we had a man who came to our church for a long time and yet was not a follower of Jesus. And one Sunday morning when we were just sharing in the bread and the wine together, it was like suddenly his moment came. His eyes were opened. He trusted Jesus at the communion table and he realized what Christ had done for him. Now, Paul is encouraging them to be intentional To look for the moments. You know, we live in difficult days, but God is always on the move. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. And he's always working in people's lives. And we need to be aware of that and be intentional about that. He's also encouraging them to be intentional in their conversation, how they they speak. That should be full of grace. It should be seasoned with salt to use their their words wisely. So you see, intentional Christians can have an extraordinary impact. And most impact is made from our words, from our warmth, and from our wisdom. Always being ready to give a reason 
for the hope that is within you. It's quite smart, I think, to think through, as Christians, answers to questions that people ask. In fact, those who are skilled in what we call apologetics recognize that most people's questions are are, are, are the same. They're similar. They may be framed slightly differently, but, but actually most questions all come down to about 10 questions that, that people have. And it's quite smart for us to think through the answers to those questions so that when they come up and work on a family situation or a, or a sports team and somebody says, you're a Christian, how could it be that? And then they ask that question and you've got that answer thought through. You're being smart you're being intentional. Praying Christians can have an extraordinary impact and intentional Christians can have an extraordinary impact. Then you'll see how for the rest of this chapter, Paul just starts to bring us a whole list of names. And here's the third very simple little thought for you this morning. Ordinary Christians... If there is such a thing, that's why that word ordinary is in, in inverted commas. Ordinary Christians can have an extraordinary impact. This is the message of the New Testament. It's not for the pastors and the preachers and the missionaries and the vocational Christian workers only to have impact. But actually, if you're none of those things, and you consider yourself to be, well, an ordinary Christian, you can have an extraordinary extraordinary impact. I came to Christ when a a friend of mine who may have considered himself to be an ordinary Christian, a a member of the um, police service who was just seeking to live his life for Jesus Christ, um, shared the gospel with me. And some other people shared the gospel with me who are not pastors, who are not preachers, who are not missionaries, they're just ordinary people. And yet, the Lord saved me through that. Do you see that there is a work for Jesus that none but you can do? It is a work the Master has just planned for you. And so just keep that in mind. Because right here in these following verses, if you just scan even your eyes over these verses, you'll see a, a number of people who are mentioned by name. There's some of them on the screen in front of you. Have a look at some of these people. Tychicus is described as a a dear brother, a fellow worker, minister, and a fellow servant. A dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. What a great little description that is of him. wonder what could be written about your life, about my life. Tychicus is not one of these people we think of to do a quiz today and I was asking you to write down the names of five people in the New Testament I don't think you or I would immediately think of this man and yet what, what a, a, a commendation we have of him in the Bible a dear brother a faithful minister a fellow servant Paul mentions him here as one of his right hand people how important he is to the people of God. Then he mentions this man, Onesimus. We see him in a couple of places in the New Testament. He was a slave of a man called Philemon. Philemon lived in Colossae. He was one of the members of the church in Colossae. He was a 
a, a, a wealthy man. So it was not uncommon in those days for wealthy people to have servants working in their home. Onesimus was the servant of Philemon. But Onesimus ran away. He escaped. He wanted his freedom. And he ended up in the great city of Rome. And in Rome, for whatever reason, we don't know the circumstances, Onesimus came to know Jesus. He came to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul encouraged him, go back, go back to Philemon. And then he wrote the letter of Philemon, encouraging Philemon to accept Onesimus back into his household. Once he was a slave, now he's a son of the living God. And here he is, he pops up here in this, in this letter here of Colossae. He's now become important in the ministry of the church. And then he mentions Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, Justice. Let me just highlight for you, for the sake of time, this middle man, Mark. We also know him as John Mark, a cousin of Barnabas. He was once uh, faithful to the Apostle Paul, but then he deserted the Apostle Paul. But Barnabas was the one who brought John Mark back again. And Mark turned out to be a mighty man of God and a faithful servant of the gospel. There is hope for Onesimuses of this world. There's hope for the John Marks of this world. And maybe this morning you identify with Onesimus. You're on the run. You're trying to run away. You're trying to find freedom in something. And yet, today... Maybe even today, Jesus Christ is calling you to himself, as he called Onesimus in the city of Rome. Or maybe you're like John Mark. You were once faithful as a follower of Jesus, but something's got a hold of your heart, taking you away. And maybe today could be your Barnabas moment when you're brought back into the fold again. And then we read about this man, Jesus Justice, whom we don't know an awful lot about. This is the only place he's mentioned. In the New Testament, Paul goes on to mention this man, Epaphras. What a man. Just look what it says about him. Wrestling in prayer. He's a wrestler, Epaphras. He's not a, a wrestler in a ring. Uh, you know, basically stripped down to, to virtually nothing to, to wrestle an opponent. No, he's, he's a wrestler in prayer. He is, he is the very one who is showing us what Paul talked about in the earlier verses. Devote yourself to prayer. Paphras is doing that. He is praying for these people. Every church fellowship needs an Epaphras. Someone who's going to wrestle in prayer with the, the challenges of our world, praying for God's blessing upon the fellowship. Then we're introduced here to, to Luke, the physician. Thank God for godly Christian doctors like Luke. Luke not only cared for Paul's physical needs, but he also had a spiritual ministry to Paul. And then we read about this man, Demas. Demas is mentioned not just here in the New Testament, but you can also read about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. It's a little sad commentary on Demas' life there. What it says there in Paul's last letter, because his last letter was 2 Timothy. His last chapter, if you like, was chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. So Paul's coming to the end of his writing life and his actual life. And 
He says, Demas, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. What a sad, sad little comment about this man who was once doing so well, who was once running the race so strongly, and yet fell in love with the world system and forsake, forsook the Apostle Paul and walked away. That was Demas. It reminds me of what Oswald Sanders once said when he said this, there are many who soar like rockets in their youth, but they descend like sticks before middle age. And so learn the lesson from Demas this morning in ministry, and that is just keep going. Just keep pursuing Christ. Just stay in the word. Just keep on praying. Just keep following. And then finally we come to this man, Archippus. I know it's a long list of names. And to be honest, there's so much we could say about each of them. But I just dropped their names into you this morning. To let you see that there's a variety of people involved in ministry. But God uses people and he was using this man, Archippus. Some people think he was the pastor or the leader of the church there in Colossae. And this is Paul's word to him. Stay the course. Complete the ministry. I wonder, when he wrote those words, did he, did he know that Demas was not going to complete the ministry? Hardly, but he wanted Archippus to stay the course and to complete the ministry. Why? For this reason. Because persevering Christians can have an extraordinary impact. Praying Christians, intentional Christians, ordinary so-called Christians. But there's something you know about just staying the course. Just completing the ministry. Just making sure that you see it to the very end. There's a story that preachers love to use. It's about the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. It's about the marathon. And there was a, a runner in the marathon who had been sent by his country in Africa, Tanzania, I believe it was. His name was Stephen Nakari. And early on in the marathon, he, he, he damaged his, his leg. He, he fell, tripped, had a serious injury on his leg and the spectators lining the course expected him to drop out of the race but no he just kept going dragging the leg through the remaining mile after mile after mile after mile and he arrived in the in the olympic stadium long time after others had finished the race by that time word had gone around that there was still another runner on the road and People started to gather in the stadium just to welcome him into the stadium. And, and he came, completed the lap around the stadium to the cheers of the crowd. He didn't win any medals. He didn't get any garlands. He didn't have a gold. But his press conference afterwards, he was asked why he kept going. And his answer was powerful. He said this, my country did not send me all this way just to start the race but they sent me to finish the race. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to finish the race and to persevere. So let me just wrap that up by saying, are you praying, Christian? Because when you pray specifically and with purpose, it has impact. 
Are you intentional to look for those opportunities and to see those moments when God is at work? Make the most of every opportunity. Are you considering yourself just to be an ordinary Christian? You can't do much, but, but look at that, that list of names. Look at the, look at the Tichikos character. Look at the kind of man that he was. Look at these faithful servants, but also be warned by those like John Mark, who stepped off the track for a while. Thank God he came back, but Demas, who seemed to abandon, be warned about that. But just be encouraged just to keep going. So let me encourage all of you there in Douglas this morning and all of you in Passage West just to keep going. May the Lord bless you as you continue to serve him right there.